We are in James, the book of James, the far right-hand side of the Bible. And uh, as we've been looking at James, who writes to believers as they go through trials uh, in their life, which he says to count it all joy, that there is a purpose and an outcome for those trials that the Lord allows and the Lord sends into our lives. And the purpose uh, for that is that we would grow in maturity. And when you read in James, he has very practical um, ways that we are to grow in maturity. And obviously, we can't do that unless the Holy Spirit grows us in that way. But we are to read God's Word. We're to be obedient to it. And therefore, we pray that God would enable us to walk in that manner. Some of you may have been reading in Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount as James points to a number of texts that Jesus preaches in the Sermon on the Mount. And again, we see... Uh, similarities again this morning as we look at James chapter 4. Fill in the rest of this sentence. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. You've been taught that either by family members or teachers or culture. If you can't say anything nice or good, then don't say anything. But let me ask you this. In the past week, or let's say, okay, in the past month, have you spoken evil words about anyone? Have you, at all recent history, gossiped about anyone? Maybe you haven't spoken a word, but would I dare ask, have you judged someone in your heart recently? Because what we come to is another one of those texts in just two verses today that sometimes we're like, oh, don't go there because this week was a bad week. And I spoke evil, and I gossiped, and I even judged someone in my heart, and I had some wrong things. It's um, amazing to me how the Lord, in His providence, brings Scripture to us personally and corporately, just the perfect times. As we look at James chapter 4, we see that God's Word forbids slandering others and commands that we be obedient to His laws of how we speak And therefore, the scriptural truth, as we look at verse 11 and 12, is this, do not speak evil, and by it arrogantly judge others, because God alone has the first and final word in all of life. Look with me at James chapter 4, verse 11 and 12. James writes, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? The Word of God. As James was led by the Holy Spirit to write down the words of God, that we would benefit from it today. So, Father, again, we ask that you would bless the reading and the preaching of the Word. In Jesus' name, amen. The last two Sundays, if you haven't been with us, in James chapter 4, James has pointed out the difference between godly wisdom and worldly wisdom and talks about the fruit of both of those. And we've seen that when we apply godly wisdom in our life, there is wonderful fruit that glorifies God and brings a blessing to our life. Here, James is again saying, stay away from worldly wisdom because worldly wisdom, as we've studied, leads to pridefulness and arrogance, which leads to evil words and to speaking wrongly and to judging one another. I don't know about you, but for myself, 
It is at times when I study these things that God points out how I have broken his law and I have failed in this, especially when I begin to judge and then speak evil of people who are reckless drivers, and I use words like moron and idiot, and then my children repeat that, or they tell me, Pastor Paul, as their (laughs) favorite thing to say in my home. Um, And so I'm thankful the Lord uses them uh, to sanctify me and work in that process. But as I reflected this week, I thought, how many times have I broken God's law in this area? Even when I haven't spoken verbally out loud, but yet in my heart I judged. And James ties them together. The evil speaking and the prideful and arrogance goes with the judging, that it's not separated. And so we're going to spend some time and look at verses 11 and 12. So let's look at verse 11, which simply the first point is do not speak evil. He makes it very clear to not speak evil. And don't forget, this is being written to Christians, to the church as they gathered. They would gather and then read this letter from James, the word of God being given to them. It's not a bunch of non-Christians that have gathered, even though what if there was a non-Christian there gathering to see what was going on? This is written to the believers, those who are followers of Christ. And he says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. I believe that in this world we have been trained up well to be evil speaking people. From the schools that we've attended to some of the homes that we've been raised in to the neighborhoods and friends and even the places where we work, we have been trained up in this world to be very good at speaking evil. Some of you think back to, or if you are in school right now, students, some of you know that words uh, hurt and strike, as James chapter 3 wrote of, that the tongue uh, causes a lot of destruction and damage, that we can think back to maybe some of us our junior high or high school years, and think about the brutality of the words of evil that was spoken against us. To think in the past years, specifically, it seems there's a growing uh, number of students even in college age, who are committing suicide and saying because of the words that are spoken in evil ways against them. James says, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. You might think, well, wait, as we've been reading this, how can a brother or sister in Christ, how can a Christian who is saved, who loves Jesus, actually speak evil against another Christian? How does that even happen? Some of you might say, well, does this happen today? And some of you are quick to say, yes, it does. I mean, is it possible that here at Discovery Alliance Church that some of us may speak evil against one another? That some of us might dare gossip? Or maybe, I didn't say anything, but in my heart, I judged against another brother or sister in Christ here even in Discovery. The answer is yes. It can and it does happen in gatherings of people that are followers of Christ around the world. And I would say most of the time, our evil words arise from our insecurities, which are fueled by pridefulness and jealousy, that many times the things that we speak in evil or we don't speak, it's because we're jealous of someone, and the jealousy comes because of pridefulness in our heart. James has been warning us of pridefulness, and so you need to go back to verse 10, which says to humble yourself before the Lord. Because as we seek the Lord and we humble ourselves, these areas of sinfulness flee as God continues to work in us. 
A lot of times our evil words come and our judgmental attitudes and the things of our heart because those people shouldn't be as happy as they are. They shouldn't be happier than I. They shouldn't have those things. And we begin to judge, and again, there's a pridefulness, and as we read here in James, we'll see in verse 12, when we begin to judge, we place ourselves in the seat of God. If you, actually not if, you need to go back and read verses 1 through 9 of chapter 4, we were in the last couple weeks, because as you read that, jealousy is connected to worldly wisdom, which fuels the pride which he speaks of, which comes out in evil words. So you don't separate these things. It's all connected, church. Worldly wisdom will bring you down this road and fall to the temptation of sinning against your brother and sister in Christ. And then in verse 12, he says, your neighbor, those who are not your brother and sister in Christ, but all people. Worldly wisdom, seeking after that, will continue to tempt you to continue to follow after sinful actions in your life. So let's look at verse 11 and see what is speaking evil. What does it actually mean? Speaking evil here in his language, it means to slander another person. Here he says a brother in Christ, a sister, brother and sister in Christ. It's a speaking down to to belittle another person, to uh, demean them, uh, evil speaking words in the sense of also being said in a way to control someone else. And when we look at speaking evil words, we see this throughout the letters of the New Testament, the numbers of places where the apostle Paul addresses churches and wrong speaking, evil speaking, slander, gossip, all these things continue to come up. As I look this week, slander, is one of those. To slander someone is also a definition of speaking evil, but it's to just blatantly lie about another person for the purpose of hurting them. You ever done that before? Where you just made something up and you spoke to another person and told them a lie just because you were jealous and you wanted to attack or you wanted to get attention off another person? Gossip is repeated in a number of letters to the church. Sharing info with other people. Even if it's true. And in the church, many times it comes out when we pray in corporate prayer. Oh, Father, if you knew what Tabitha was doing. And it's like, God knows everything. Oh, Father, would you help, uh, you know, so-and-so. And it's like, your goal is so that everyone in your prayer circle hears. It's gossip. Whether they do what you are praying for or not, Again, there's a pridefulness there that must be checked. To go and talk to another brother or sister in Christ, hey, I just, for accountability's sake, let me tell you about this person. New Testament letters also address false accusations. Believing or communicating something that isn't true at all. And that goes hand in hand with slander, but not specifically publicly, but false accusations can be just within your heart. Again, that whole judging of others. And grumbling and complaining. Some of you say, well, that's not evil. That's just my opinion. Well, it falls under this whole thing of speaking evil, that when you grumble and when you complain among the body of Christ, there is an expression of dissatisfaction with what is actually happening. And many times it's generally a being critical of others. Look at verse 11. Speaking evil, I'll give you, I probably should have had this up on the screen for you, but if you have your Bible, 
Look with me at a couple of these verses here in James. Speaking evil is a direct result of James, James chapter 3, verse 5, where he says boasting. So boasting leads to speaking evil. It builds on chapter 3, verse 14 and 16, where it says jealousy. Again, that's where we see this pridefulness. He mentions self-centeredness in James chapter 4, verses 1 and verse 3. Again, all these things, this worldly wisdom building up speaking evil, and James chapter 4, verse 6, pridefulness. So it's not far for us to go and look at the Word and understand why this happens. Sinfulness of our hearts. And when a brother or sister in Christ speaks evil against another brother and sister, you are slandering a family member. You are slandering people who are part of God's family. Because all believers have received the same grace of God that they have been adopted into the family of God after they're saved by faith alone in Christ alone. And so imagine the body of Christ, the family of God, around the throne of God for all eternity, praising and glorifying His name, and yet we fall to the temptation that we're so quick to speak evil against a brother and sister in Christ. And some of you have switched church to church to church because you've experienced this thing in your life. You're like, I don't want to get burned again. And some of you are very good at speaking evil against others, because you don't want to get burned first. And again, we must then go and look through James as he says, don't be boasting, don't be jealous, don't be self-centered, don't be prideful, humble yourself before the Lord. Turn to Leviticus chapter 19. As you turn to Leviticus chapter 19, God writing His law to the nation of Israel and lays out the fact that they are to love one another, their brothers and their neighbors. It says in Leviticus chapter 19, in verse 16, You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. If you did not pick up on those emphasis of um, neighbor and your brother and your people, then to pay, go back and read that and pay attention, here again, James is addressing brothers and sisters who are speaking evil against brothers and sisters, and God from the beginning giving His law to His people says, have, have none of it. It's not to be something that marks the life of a believer. <clears throat> so here's the question, church. What do you do when a brother or sister in Christ comes to you and they want to tell you about someone? You might not think right away it's gossip. But halfway through their first sentence, that working of the Holy Spirit in you is going, oh, I should not be listening to this. The temptation is, well, I'll just listen to the whole thing and then tell them later, don't gossip. You just took part in gossiping. Instead, stop the person mid-sentence 
and say, would that person, if they were standing here, would you tell me the same thing? Most likely not. Have you gone to that person? Because many times, again, Christians want to tell other Christians about their sins that they see in someone else instead of following Matthew chapter 18. Read Matthew chapter 18. Jesus says, if someone sins against you, here is the process. Most churches don't follow through with Matthew 18 in the right way. But it's a guide for you from the Word of God to follow. So stop the person and say, if you haven't talked to that person, if that person couldn't stand here as you're speaking to me, those things, that's gossip. And lovingly correct that person and tell them to go and connect with that other person and talk with them. <clears throat> and I don't know if you've found this out, but it kind of seems like the truth in life that whoever is gossiping to you is generally someone that will gossip about you. Do not take part in gossip, especially among the body of Christ. <clears throat> and it will say your neighbor here as well in a minute. Look at verse 11 again. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against what? The law. And judges the law. Wait, what? Wait, we're talking about people. No, this is what the Word of God says here. When we make ourselves the expert in speaking about another. There's an arrogance and pride. And what James is saying, we're setting ourselves higher than the law of God. And he who is the only just judge and righteous one. And we set ourselves in his seat, basically. When we speak evil, we then judge others. And we know from the Word of God that we are to be obedient to it. We are to do that because we love God and therefore to pay attention to the Word of God and pray that we would not break His law and that the Holy Spirit would move us to walk in ways of holiness. James here teaches us that Christians are guilty of this judgment against other Christians. He's addressing in the church. And so for us today, we must address it as well and not think that it does not happen here. When we do speak evil words and we judge... Uh, we act as if we know the motives behind what a person does. We think in our mind, like, I know everything about their situation and how ridiculous and how arrogant it is for us to think that we know everything going on in another person's life. So those who wrong, wrongly judge a brother or sister in Christ, as James says, places themselves at a level that is not given to us. And we really are judging God's law. And if we're judging God's law, we're judging God. And we're saying, God, you're a bad judge. Your law is wrong. When it says in verse 11, judges his brother, it's this sense again of arrogance, of thinking that you are better than another, of pridefulness. Look at what he or she is doing. Can you believe that? I don't know why they would dare do those things. And, and, and you may not even verbalize it ever, but in your heart. The Lord sees and knows all, and all of those things that maybe never verbally come out, God knows every thought. And He's the one who you have to give an account to. Turn to, Rome, turn to Matthew chapter 7. 
As you turn to Matthew chapter 7, if I've mentioned the Sermon on the Mount for the past few weeks, if you've not read through the Sermon on the Mount, you can find that in Matthew's cha- Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. I want to read verses 1 through 5 of Matthew chapter 7, in which Jesus speaks of judging. And he says in verse 1, Jesus says this in Matthew 7, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And it's fascinating when you read this. And I mean, imagine you walking down the street and a big old two-by-four sticking out of your eye, and you're, you're, you're breaking God's law. You're living in these ways that are evil. And all of a sudden, you see a brother or sister in Christ walking by, and they've got a speck of sawdust, and you want to correct them. Jesus says you're judging them, and it's wrong, and that's not your place. And at the same time, as we see here in James, and we'll also look to here in a moment, that Paul writes to the church of Corinth, we, there is a right judging, and you are to judge within the body of Christ, and you are to lovingly call a brother or sister of Christ to account, and you're to restore them gently, but do not become the judge and take, try to take the place of God and His law. When we read James chapter 2, we saw in verse 8 that we're to be obedient to God's royal law, which was to love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says, after loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest commandment. He says the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. In John chapter 13, Jesus commanded his disciples to love each other as themselves. James says, but if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. The only one who can declare any final judgment on the souls of mankind is God alone. You cannot, you will not, the angels will not, Satan does not. God Almighty is the just, righteous, holy judge and the only one who has the authority and the power to be able to make the right judgment calls on the souls of mankind. Do not put yourself in the place of God by speaking evil and arrogantly and judging others. And it reminds us, again, back to James chapter 3, how powerful our tongues are, which Jesus says what we say comes from our heart. James chapter 3 verse 9 says, with it, our tongues, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And here James says, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he continues in verse 12. By in a sense, asking the question, who are you to judge? Who are you and I to judge other people? In verse 12, he writes, There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your 
neighbor. And I would say many times we make judgments, especially in the church, and it's based on our preferences and our desires. I could go through a whole list of stuff from the last couple of churches I've served in, but here's a few that stood out in my mind. One of them, there's a judgment on other brothers and sisters in Christ when it comes to alcohol. It's fascinating the number of times over the years that brothers and sisters in Christ are like, Pastor, I don't want to say anything, but we were at the pizza place and so-and-so and his wife were having a beer. Okay. Well, and, and, and on and on. Well, Scripture is clear. We're not to be drunk with wine. You're not to be drinking alcohol to even get close to it so you have some feeling. You know, Paul tells Timothy, yeah, wine's good for your stomach, but it says do not get drunk with wine, yet there's judgment calls that come because we want to impose on top of God's law. We were just singing. It was wonderful to hear you sing to the Lord God Almighty. And I've been in churches that have had uh, pianos, churches that had full bands, churches that had organs, churches that didn't have anything but just an acoustic guitar, and at times where there was just voices, and yet there are people who make judgment calls I can think of in the last couple of churches where they were upset because uh, you guys don't have an organ. You don't have hymn books in here. There's not a piano. There's drums, and it's like, well, what does Psalms tell us? about symbols and things. And the early church sang Scripture. They did not have an organ that they plugged in. They did not have a piano. They had stringed instruments. They had cymbals. They had percussion. But do you see how we make judgment calls on even churches? Some of you choose to go to certain churches because of your preferences and your judgment over worship. The judgment over worship should be, are the lyrics that we're singing biblical? And do they glorify God? We've had some in here, in this church, who've asked me, why don't we sing that song anymore? Because I can't find it biblically in Scripture. And I, yet I was joining in and singing along with everyone. Other ways. I can remember one church young man walks in the back of the room and they had pews in there and he sits down, he had a baseball cap on. And I remember watching a leader from our church in a suit and tie, and, and he walks over, takes the hat off the boy, and sets it in his lap. And other comments in regards to people should be wearing their Sunday best, the pastor doesn't have a tie on. The pastor's sacrilegious. He has jeans on. I mean, again, the New Testament had rich and poor. I don't know what they wore to church. We do know we're not to be like the world and distract one another and draw attention to ourselves. But again, do you see? Those are just, what, three or four examples of how quickly and how easily we, our judgment rises and it can just flow out and we attack brothers and sisters in Christ. James says, who are you to judge? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You need to know this. There is wrong judgment and there is right judgment. And so some of you are like, yes, we get to give the right judgment. I want to judge rightly. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, which is living so much like the world that he has to write a few letters to them to say, turn from these evil, sinful, wicked ways. Correct that brother in Christ 
I mean, there's specific things. He tells the elders in the church, watch out for the false teaching that arises in the church. And here's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. If he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even, not even to eat with such a one, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. He gave a whole list. Read 1 Corinthians. Read through the list of things where he's like addressing the church. Body of Christ, Christians, you're living in this way. Correct it. This wrong, correct it. Don't do this, correct it. It's interesting, though, in this list, I don't know if you saw it in there in verse 11, reviling is listed with sexual morality and greed and idolatry. Reviling is slander. It's a serious thing that happens among the body of Christ, and it connects, as James tells us, evil speaking, slander, and judgment go hand in hand. But again, as the letters to the churches, there are instructions to the elders of the church that they are to judge rightly as well. And so you should be praying for the elder team and I, that we would judge rightly as things arise among the body of Christ, that we would look to the Word of God, the wisdom of God, and make decisions rightly, especially when it comes to church discipline. And when we see a brother or sister in Christ who's in sin, and to follow Matthew 18 and to follow the wisdom of God in these things, and many, many of the letters to the church in the New Testament tell the elders of the church and the body of Christ in general to watch out for false teachers and to judge teaching. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves with swift destruction. Church, read the Bible. Don't just take what I sit, stand here and preach to you. Go and read it. Look at the context of it. Look at Scripture and see if it lines up with one another. You should be aware of this world today and all the things you're watching on TV to uh, uh, all the things online to the books you're reading that are supposedly under the name of Christian. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit's going, that doesn't sound right, read the Word of God. I actually sometimes wish that we wouldn't buy another Christian book from another Christian author until we've invested our life into the Word of God. Some of us, I'll stop there. Read the Word of God. Verse 12 says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. It's a powerful statement there. Because of our sinfulness, we're born into this world with. It is highly likely that even after salvation, we battle, as Scripture tells us, with sinfulness. And so the chances of speaking evil and judging another is quite high. And again, as he says, when we do that, we put ourselves on the throne. 
And as Jesus taught us, not to pull the speck out of the other person's eye before removing the log in your own, because he called it hypocrisy. In Romans 2, the Apostle Paul says similarly, Therefore you have no excuse, O man. Every, o man, every one of you who judges, for in passing judgment on another you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. Who am I to judge not only my brother and sister in Christ, but verse 12, he says, my neighbor. We are to judge rightly within the church as we read. But when he adds the word neighbor, that's anyone and everyone that we come in contact with. Jesus was asked about judging. And he told the parable of the Good Samaritan to teach about who is your neighbor and how you judge and when James says there's only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and destroy, we must give all the glory to the Lord God Almighty because he is the only, ultimate, final, righteous, just judge. And he always, always makes the right judgment. And yet you may be in this world and you see what's going on and you see the fallen nature of the world and you see the enemy that it's attacking and you see the sinfulness and you have questions and sometimes we then turn and judge God saying, how could you be a just and righteous God if this is happening? Don't fall into that trap. When he says that there is only one lawgiver and judge who's able to save and destroy, that's quite a sobering passage. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body. Don't be afraid of someone who can take you out and kill you and murder you in this world. He says, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Church, that is a very sobering passage of Scripture from the words and the lips of Jesus Christ. That yes, we're maybe afraid of losing our life and someone taking our life, but Jesus says don't be afraid of that. Be afraid of the Lord God Almighty. Jesus, when he comes and judges the world, the one who has the power to be able to destroy. In James chapter 5, we will come back to that a few weeks from now. And in James chapter, or we will get to that in a few weeks from now. In James chapter 5, he issues a warning about the issue of evil words. Here's the warning, verse 9 of James 5. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Capital J, who is the judge? Who? All right, we got all these mumbling again. If you know, you should say, Scripture tells us the just, righteous judge is Jesus Christ. There's a day that Christ is going to return in the clouds in all of His glory, and He will judge the world. And all those who are followers of Christ will enter into this eternal kingdom with their soul that's been, good, that's been made perfect in holiness and their body that's been raised from the grave and glorified and with Him for eternity. But there are many, as Scripture says, many who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ, who do not believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they will be cast into hell for eternity because they have broken God's law. 
and they do not have the righteousness of Christ which is given to God's people and therefore they will face judgment and many in this world say how can a loving God be a just God and send people to hell? He's God. He has created this universe. He gives life and Romans 9 tells us who are we to say anything to God? Therefore, he makes his decisions and does what is right according to his word and his will. And none of you or I or anyone in this world has any standing to make any judgment call on what he decides. On the day of judgment, those who will be cast into hell will see the judge and they will know the truth. And for all eternity... The wrath that is meant for us because of our sins, for the believer taken away by the blood of Christ in which he hung on the cross and bore the wrath of God the Father meant for his church and Jesus Christ died there and he rose again so that those who, are, who believe in him through faith in Christ are saved by the power of God. But all of those who die in their sins at judgment, being cast into hell, will have the wrath of God the Father upon them for eternity. It's not just being in a place that's hot. It's not just going, oh, I'll be able to make it through this stuff. At least my friends will be there. No, the place of torment where God's wrath will be upon you for eternity. Therefore, I'm thankful as we read last week, about God's grace. I'm thankful for the love of Christ that He would take my place and die for me, a sinner who speaks evil, who is judged, judged arrogantly, who's broken God's law. Me, a person who was born into this world as an enemy of God, born with sin, passed down from Adam and yet God's grace would be to send his son to save me and to forgive me to give me his righteousness so when God the Father looks at me he sees his son's righteousness <laughs> to adopt me as one of his children to prepare a place forever if you're a believer you should take joy in those wonderful glorious truths and know that even if you spoke evil this week, if you gossiped this week, if you judged, God's grace abounds. He is merciful and forgiving. And even though Christ forgave all of those sins that you have committed, past, present, and future, and they were forgiven at the cross, He continues to do a work in you, and therefore that's why we confess our sins to Him daily. And the Holy Spirit works in us to repent and turn from them. Genesis 18.25 says this, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just. There are many that Jesus says will come to him on that day of judgment and say, Lord, Lord, we did all kinds of things in your name. I was a good person. I treated those people well. And he says, he will turn to them and say, I never knew you. Imagine 
the reality that will hit those people, the terror that will come upon their heart when he says, I never knew you, depart from me. Therefore, if you are here and you're not a follower of Christ, all I can say to you is to preach to you the gospel of Jesus and that God forgives your sins through the work of Christ and faith in Him. And therefore, I can't tell you what to do. I can't give you a prayer to say. Romans 10 is very clear. It says, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from death to life and you will be saved. That's the closest wording of any prayer I could tell anyone to pray. Confess your sins to the Lord. Confess that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised Him from death to life and you will be saved and the Holy Spirit will do that work and seal your heart and God will not lose you and He'll adopt you as His own and bring you into eternity. And so in closing, for those of you who are followers of Christ, here's a question. What do you do if you have found today that the Holy Spirit's convicted you and since you've been caught in your sin of slandering others and you've gossiped against others and you've judged against others and you've had these things in your heart and you didn't even say anything, but yet right now today the Holy Spirit is convicting your heart? The first thing, go back to James 4.10. Humble yourself before the Lord and He will exalt you. Humble yourselves this morning. Confess your pridefulness. Confess your sin before the Lord. And He forgives. And He will do the work. Because humility among the body of Christ is needed. That we would love one another. And we would serve one another. As we love the Lord God Almighty. And serve Him. And therefore humble yourself. That the pride would leave. And your arrogance would also flee with that. And secondly. All believers. Reflect on the good news. What I've preached to you today that you've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and there's an inheritance waiting for you and Jesus Christ is not dead, but he's alive. Because as you reflect on the gospel, you're reminded that God has forgiven you of these evil-speaking, judgmental sins and God no longer counts your sin against you because Christ paid for it. And therefore, he's given you the righteousness of Christ and know that He's continuing to sanctify you and make you more and more like Christ and to move us from these sins into walking in holiness. As the worship team comes forward, I would like to read this from Ephesians chapter 4. And as Paul writes to the church there in Ephesus and addresses their words, he says this, and would you, church, join me? And this would be what we pray this morning. He says, let no corrupting talk Come out of your mouths. <clears throat> but only such as is good for building up, as, it, as fits the, the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Take a moment and be quiet with the Lord as we pray. Confess your sins before Him this morning and know the forgiveness of our Lord and Savior Christ. Father, I pray that you would take the words 
that we've read in the book of James and in other parts of your word. And would you move it upon our hearts in such a way this morning that you would convict us of our sin, that as believers you would remind us of forgiveness we have in Christ, that Holy Spirit, you would fill us up, that you would empower us to walk in a right way, in a holy way. Father, would you help us this week to hold our tongue from speaking evil things and to move our heart in a way that glorifies you. Father, I pray that if there are brothers and sisters in the body of Christ here at Discovery that have wronged one another, even if they never verbalized it, that they would go to that brother or sister in Christ and that they would confess their sins and ask for forgiveness and that they would humble themselves and that you would exalt them. Father, may there be great unity among the body of Christ here, that we would love one another because we love you. And Father, for any who have come into this place, who have been far off, and they've heard the truth of your word, I pray today would be the day of salvation, and they would confess that Jesus, you are Lord, and they would believe in their hearts that you have been raised from death to life, and that you would save them. May you be glorified as we sing your praises, Jesus. Amen.